a lot of these big kibble corporations and manufacturers, they don't really care a whole lot what's going into the food, unfortunately. She said the pet food industry is telling us what to feed our pets based on what they want to sell us more than what's good for the dog. Yeah, a lot of it is the same food and ingredients that goes into our food, which is Welcome back, everybody, to episode 21 of the Clean Kitchen Podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Kevin. And today we are going to be talking about a very highly request podcast episode topic, and that is dog food. But specifically, we're going to talk about four things that every single dog owner out there should know. The first thing we're going to talk about is when dog food actually started, and it actually wasn't that long ago. We're going to be talking about dog food requirements, and I think that section of the podcast is going to shock a lot of people. Um, And then we're going to be talking about how we really got convinced that we need dog food in the first place and that we shouldn't be feeding our dogs just normal human food. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to be talking about an ancestral appropriate diet for dogs. What are dogs actually supposed to be eating? And with that, we will recommend uh, the not so good types of dog food out there and then the better and then, of course, the best types of dog food, what we recommend you should be feeding your dogs. But let's yeah. let's start off here. Kevin, when did dog food actually start? Yeah, it's important to get on the same page here. So we're going to travel back in time a little bit to understand what America was like in the early 1900s. And if we go back in time all the way back to the early 1900s, what we'll find out is that about 40% of the U.S. population lived on a farm. And on a farm, you have a bunch of animals with you, of course. Yep. And it was common to find dogs on the farm helping out. They were herding herding cattle, herding sheep. They're being active. Yes. But playing roles in 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 the farm. Exactly. They they had a role. They had yeah. a, they were doing something. Yeah. They had a job. And over time, people started to transition from living on a farm to living in big cities. Yes. And because of that. People were adopting dogs for companionship Mm -hmm. and not necessarily to to do a job, to work on the farm. Today, actually, only about 1% of the U.S. population lives on a farm. So a a drastic decrease from that 40% that we saw in the early 1900s. At this same time, there was a livestock feed company called Purina. You may have heard of them. I've heard of them. Yes. (laughs) And in the early 1900s, they started to notice that sales were down. People were moving away from farms and moving towards those cities like we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't buying as much livestock feed as they previously were. Mm -hmm. And so they had an idea. They'll take all this livestock feed that they had been making for pigs and and sheep and cattle, and they'll just transition it to dogs Mm -hmm. and have people in these cities just buy, buy the dog food now. Yep. Um, so that that was something that was crazy that, that happened. So what I'm hearing you say is Purina, they were a livestock feed company mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. not a dog food company. For 30 years first. Gotcha. Before they But many people today know them as a dog, a dog and cat food company. Exactly. I guess. Yep. So okay. So there was this transition from uh less less dogs on the farm, more dogs in the household. Mm-hmm. And with that, less, I guess, less um livestock so there was less feed going to these farms and purina wanted to figure out what they could do with all this leftover feed Mm -hmm. that they were doing yep that they had so i'll pick up from from where you left off here when i first started to develop digestive symptoms over four years ago i quickly realized that there was a lot of information about gut health probiotics and the gut microbiome online but 
it was all very overwhelming and difficult to understand. But as I continued to research, I came across Seed, a brand who is truly committed to scientific integrity and transparency. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is a broad-spectrum 2-in-1 probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains for whole body benefits, including gut, skin, and heart health. And when I started taking seed over two years ago, almost immediately, I noticed a positive impact on my gut health, relief from occasional digestive discomfort, healthier skin, and it even helps me with going to the bathroom every single day. Yes, that is very, very important. But then I wondered, why did I not notice any improvements with previous probiotics that I had taken? And I learned that most probiotics are not designed to survive your digestive tract, but seed is different. Seeds 2-in-1 DSO-1 is engineered to survive digestion and the patented capsule and capsule via cap technology optimizes viability and delivers a precision release to the colon. The outer capsule also serves as a barrier to oxygen, moisture, and heat, which means no refrigeration is necessary. So if you're ready to get the real deal in a probiotic, visit seed.com slash CKP and use code cleankitchenpod to redeem 30% off your first month's order of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash CKP and use code cleankitchenpod. The link is also in the description of this episode. So they pivoted from livestock feed to dog feed. And this they had they had a lot of things going for them here because they could market it as Cheap mm-hmm. to feed their dogs, uh, easy to dis- it was easy to, easy to distribute. It was very convenient to feed the dog because you just you know open the pack, take it out, put it in their food, um, and a very long shelf life. Some of this food lasted for a number of years, so it it, it didn't go bad. Yep, yeah, and that first kind of round of Purina dog food came out in 1926, and you mentioned hasn't been around that long. It's been less than 100 years. Yes, since the first real dog food, Purina came out with with their food in 1926. And before that, it seems like dogs were really just given table scraps mm-hmm. or you know what, whatever was left over from dinner, they were just given that. And dog food wasn't really a thing before 1926. Right. So we, we talk a lot about the ingredients that are in our food. Mm-hmm. Almost every day we talk about that and, and what it really means. So we want to also look at what ingredients are in dog food. Are, are they getting some of these oils that is in our food or, or what, what, what are they getting Yeah, uh, that's in there? And so tell me a little bit about what the regulation looks like for dog food. We interrupt this podcast to announce that we have picked the 10 lucky winners of the giveaway $50 gift card to Whole Foods. You will be receiving a direct message from me on Instagram today. And we will also leave the 10 lucky winners in the description of this podcast episode. Again, thank you for everyone that left a review. We will definitely do something like this again in the future. Um, And for those that haven't left a rating or review yet, please go ahead and leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you're not already subscribed on YouTube. So in the US, the the food regulations for dog food are actually the same as the regulations for livestock feed. Hmm. So basically all that to say, the US doesn't really care what's going in dog food. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of strict regulations. Um, if you look up the official definition, pets are actually considered companion animals, and that means they're considered property. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the eyes of the law, that is. So a dog owner 
if something happens to your dog and you want to, for example, you know, sue a, a food company, you're really only able to recover the cost of the pet, like how much it cost it to purchase that pet and any vet bills. So not a lot of money. Right. It's not, not a lot of incentives to, for dog food companies to get it, things done right. Because if, if they mess up, it's not a they, big deal. They get a little slap on the wrist. Exactly. Yep. Um, yeah. One, one video I watched, which was, which was kind of sad, but it compared, you know, if you've had a, a dog for, for 12 years and then all of a sudden it gets sick and maybe it's because, you know, a certain food that you gave them and you try to sue that company that made the, the manufacturer that made the dog food, it's, it's basically like, it's the same as, you know, uh, it's treated as property. So that, that 12 year old dog is basically the same as a 12, 12 year old chair that you yeah. have in your house. Yeah. It, it's, it's really sad. That that's the analogy. Yeah. I actually was watching another documentary and there is one individual that he's devoted his life to determine the value of dogs in, in this mm. specific context. Mm. And he's got this crazy complex formula. I don't think it's gained too much traction, but there, there's things in the work to maybe get a better value as compared to just the cost of the dog. Yeah, because, I mean, we're emotionally t- attached to them. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, for, for context to, for humans, which is, is kind of crazy, the the common price that you see when things do go wrong and, and a company gets sued is, is about six to nine million. So companies are heavily incentivized to not mess up here. Um, for humans. For humans, <laughs> and that doesn't exist for dogs. Gotcha. Um, but it's it, it really sad either way. Doesn't seem like they're doing a great job of that, though, no. in terms of the ingredients. <laughs> Still got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but 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 all that to say is that a lot of these big um, kibble corporations and manufacturers, they, they don't really care a whole lot what's going into the food, unfortunately. And if you look at the ingredients of most kibble out there, whether you, you know, you go to Target or Walmart or Costco and you look at the ingredients on this dog kibble, most of it is just flavored grains with a little bit of meat. Mm-hmm. And getting back to your early, earlier point, they do contain, most of them contain those vegetable oils, yep. which has no business belonging in a dog's diet. Right. No, no. <laughs> At no time in the evolution of dogs did they need sunflower oil. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yep. Um, but when we were doing research for this, we kept on seeing something pop up, and that was AAFCO, or AFCO. Mm-hmm. And it's the Associate, Association of American Feed Control Officials. Can you, you want to briefly talk about that? Yeah, so this is, you'll, if you start doing any sort of research on dog food, or really any pet food, AFCO will, will commonly pop up. It is important to know here that AFCO is not a governing body. So when we look at the USDA or the FDA, those are governing bodies. They come out with rules. Companies have to comply with those rules. AFCO sets no no regulation. They do research about what is in dog food and what dogs and, and other animals should be eating. But if you see something on a dog food that says AFCO approved, they, they don't have any sort of approval. That is that means simply a, a marketing stunt. Interesting. Um, yep. So that is, that's mm-hmm. AFCO. That's important to know. So they're doing research and they're, uh, I guess, giving this research to the dog food manufacturers and telling them, hey, maybe you should include this ingredient or? Yeah, they, it seems like they do research on what is in the current dog food. Okay. And effectively what, what dogs should be eating. Based on on my understanding of AFCO, I wouldn't say they're a, a good nor bad party in this. They do have some ties to the pet industry and, and pet food, so they work heavily with them. They, they can be influenced, but they didn't seem like bad actors to me. Gotcha. Um, I, I would just say that it's important to take what they say with a, a grain of salt. Got it. Yep. I, did, I did remember there were certain 
there are certain claims that's made that are made on packages, mm-hmm. and I think this is kind of regulated. Is this regulated by AFCO? Yes. So it, it you will find that. So the FDA is actually working with AFCO, and they developed some guidelines around what exactly is in pet food. Yeah, and some of these shocked me <laughs> as to uh, what they are. So mm-hmm. I'll give you a few examples here. If you look at uh, pet food or specifically dog food, and you see it says. Uh, dinner or nuggets or formula, only 25% of that actually needs to be meat. Mm-hmm. And if you see something on the package that says made with real beef or made with real chicken or something like that, that chicken or beef only needs to be 3% of all the ingredients. Mm-hmm. So very small Shocking. Percentage. 3%. Yeah. And we're going to get into what dogs should be eating. And yeah. I intent, it's more than 3% yeah. beef. <laughs> Um, and then if you see something that says, and this may be obvious to some people, but if you see, if you see something that just says beef flavor, then it doesn't need to contain any beef at all or chicken flavor. It's just natural and artificial flavors, most likely. Yep. Yeah, you'll find that a lot in like treats. Yeah. Like, oh, gotcha. Beef flavor on, yeah. on treats. Yeah. And that's, it's probably just wheat flour, vegetable yeah, oils. There's and, nothing in there. Yeah. Yep. Um, artificial flavors. Shocking yeah. how little of it is actually yeah. real food. So you, you mentioned that it has beef that that 3% there if it's made with beef isn't even all that good beef. So what what no. is actually coming into that that food that is beef? Well, this was another I feel like <laughs> I've used the word shocking already 5 times, but another shocking thing we discovered when we were researching this was that so that small percentage of beef, most of the time it's coming from a rendering plant mm-hmm. where they use uh animal byproduct. So uh that's basically they're just they're just taking this meat and they're just processing it like crazy mm-hmm. and forming it into kibble yeah uh, dried food but in 1990 there was one report that said one of these rendering plants had thousands of dead cats dogs there were heads and hooves from cattle sheep pigs horses uh, whole skunks all, all dead animals rats raccoons and they were all just waiting to be processed thrown into this into this um, rendering plant and basically be processed into dog food. Yeah. Because these big kibble manufacturers were just looking to cut corners as much as they could. There weren't a whole lot of regulations in place. Mm-hmm. So they were just taking any dead animal they could find, process it like crazy, and eventually form it into kibble. Yeah. Which is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. You Disgusting is the appropriate word. If you have not seen what an animal byproduct rendering plant looks like then one good that you shouldn't yeah but if, if you're curious go look it up and it's disgusting yeah what this looks like you'll just see a bunch of dead animals going through a, ma- a bunch of machines and going from dead carcass to the little kibbles that you're thinking of for dog food that, that's a, a very complicated process yeah that's not preserving any of the nutrients that might even exist in in that animal byproduct, if there is any, yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't <laughs> um, think so. Yeah, so just a, a horrible process yeah. there. It, it doesn't even sound real, no. But it, unfortunately, it is. It's very, it's very real. real, very real. So there, there's some of this animal byproduct that's going into the dog food. What else is it that is going into dog food? Yeah, a lot of it is the same food and ingredients that goes into our food, mm-hmm. which is the three most uh, heavily grown crops in the United States, which is corn, soybeans, and wheat. <laughs> And you look at the ingredients of dog food, it contains those same three ingredients, uh, which dogs don't need. And we keep hinting at it, but we're going to get into what dogs should eat 
what 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 an ancestral appropriate diet for dogs is. And then going off that, there's also a ton of preservatives that are in dog food. Some of them you may have heard of like BHA or BHT. Um, these are also in certain uh, human foods. <laughs> I know Cheez-Its contains one of these. Um, but BHA has been shown to cause stomach tumors in, in, rodent, in rodent studies. And then BHT has also been shown to cause liver damage. So these are not, again, not good things. That's preserving this dog food so it can last years and years and years. Yeah. Um, yeah, 25 years is what I've seen as like the standard shelf life for dog food. Why? Why would you need dog food for 25 <laughs> years? Um, and in order to get that, how many preservatives you have to put into yeah. that dog food to make it last that long is, is just a little bit terrifying. Right. Um, and yeah. And, and, and just to go off that a little bit more, there's also, you know, PFAs. We've talked about this on the podcast episode on a podcast episode previously, but these are also found in a lot of dog food packaging and recent tests showed that many dog food brands contain six times the amount of PFAs that's considered to be toxic. So just another thing that's ending up in our dog's food that, you know, really shouldn't be there. Yeah. A quick reminder. What, what are PFAs? PFAs are, you may have heard them as forever chemicals. And Mm -hmm. these are, these are things that are in, you know, non-toxic or non-stick cookware. They're the coating on rain jackets. They're found in cosmetics and plastic and all these different things. And they're called forever chemicals because they accumulate in our body and we can't get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's very harmful. A lot of food companies are doing a good job of taking this out of their food packaging, but it, unfortunately it seems like they're not doing a good job of getting it out of dog food packaging. Yep. Hopefully that, that comes as a next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, more information on PFAs is getting out there is beneficial. Um, but you may be thinking this, this is all, all crazy. Um, of course we, there has to be some sort of like recall of this dog food, if, if all this bad information or bad food is already in there. And you're right, th- there mm-hmm. have been a lot of recalls yeah. over the years. Uh, there was one one big one done in, in 2007, and it was actually from a company called Menu Foods. And they had a, a chemical that was found in their dog formula. It was actually two chemicals. It was melamine and cyanuric acid, and it was actually poisoning dogs, which was really sad. So thousands of pet food stores had to pull this food off of their shelves because it was it was immediately causing disease to these yeah. these animals, which was really really sad to see. And initially, I was doing this. I was like, "Oh, okay, at least Menu Foods isn't around anymore. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen them." Yeah. Uh, it turns out that they are. They yeah. produce fifty different dog foods in in North America. They just label them differently. And that was the other thing we we as we were doing research for this, we we realized that it's really only what a handful of yeah. manufacturers or yeah. brands that yeah. control most of the dog food out there. Mm-hmm. Same thing with food. Yep. You know, it's the same, you know, five, six brands. The same issue. Same issue. Yeah. It's not, it's crazy. There's not much different as we look through this yeah. at its core to what we have, the issues we have in our own food and what issue we're seeing with dog food. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you want to say something? Uh, n- no. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've talked about when dog food was created. We've talked about the the regulation or lack thereof of dog food in the, the current standards. So you have to be thinking to yourself, how did this happen? How did we get here? And Kyle, how, how is it that we got here? So when kibble was first introduced uh, in what, 19, 1926, mm-hmm. we said, um, it was a little bit challenging at first to convince the American people that this basically fake dog food was healthier than just feeding your dog table scraps mm-hmm. and, you know, leftover real food that you are making. 
So what did they do? How, how did they convince the American people that this dog kibble was what you should be feeding your dog? Mm-hmm. And where did they go? They went to the vets. Of course. And they basically convinced the vets that this is what every single dog should be eating. Mm-hmm. So they taught these kids in vet school that, you know, this is this this is what you should be telling your uh when when you start to work with clients, this is what this is the food that you should recommend to your clients. This is what the uh the dogs should be consuming is this dog kibble um because it's nutritious. And that's where it all started. That, that's exactly where it started. <laughs> it's it's funny. We found that there are about 30 vet schools in the U.S. right now. And if you look at who funds those vet schools, you'll see just a bunch of big kibble companies. It's funny. We were just talking before. You were in, in the vet the other day, and you, yeah. you're looking around, and what are you seeing? It's you're just all Purina everywhere. Yes. And it's like soy is a great source, is the best source of protein for cats mm-hmm. and dogs. And I'm just sitting there like shaking my head. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's slow, but surely mind control of, yeah. of some effect where you want to convince the people that have influence that your dog food is good. And then if you go to the vet, you're going to look around and see all these colorful mm-hmm. pictures of happy, happy dogs. Happy dogs, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you see Purina and you're like, oh, I, I want my dog to be happy. Yeah. I'll give it this these kibbles here. It's the same thing with regular medical school. Like mm-hmm. all of these big pharma corporations are funding and big food corporations are funding uh, medical school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the, the same thing. That's what these medical s- school students are taught. Yep. It's the same exact playbook. Yeah. Um, it's not surprising to see it in dog food, but it is sad because we we can think for ourselves and, and we have control over our diet. Dogs and, and other pets rely on us. Yeah. And so it is on on us to understand exactly what is, is going into their food. Yeah. And all this to say, we're not saying that vets are bad or right. like, this is just what they're taught. It's yes. the same thing with, with regular doctors. Yes. Right. I- exactly. That, not yeah. bad people. No. Um, one documentary we watched actually compared the pet food industry to the cigarette industry in about the 1940s, where at that time, doctors were recommending cigarettes, yeah. which is crazy to think looking back, yeah. but we got more information and, and that changed. Um, and so it, it's the same kind of thinking here where vets just don't know because it's what they've been taught. Right. Um, one one example here is that my, my wife and I, we have a dog named Cooper. 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 Shout out Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Cooper got heartworm. And so we were going through the treatment for heartworm and the vets were fantastic yeah. with this whole process. Unfortunately, one of the heartworms broke off and he went into anaphylactic shock and it seemed like he wasn't going to make it within a matter of minutes rushed to the vet. They took care of him and, and they made him all better. And sh- shout out the vets because yeah. they completely saved his life, no For doubt sure. about it. And this is, is one of those areas where both in, in our own medical system, as well as in, in vets and, and pet systems, we are really good at solving acute problems. This was an acute issue. It was an anaphylactic reaction to uh, a heartworm breaking off. What we're, we struggle with, and same in, in our industry, is the chronic conditions. Yes, yep. If you look at diabetes for dogs, if you look at obesity in dogs, if, if you look at arthritis in yep. dogs, those things are the areas that continue to go up yeah. because of nutrition. And it's, this, it's the same conditions that are prevalent in, in humans. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, it's because we're eating the same food. We're yep. eating the processed uh, corn, soy, and wheat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, 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 don't, I hope... Dogs aren't getting a lot of added sugar, but you know we are. We are yeah. getting a lot of added sugar, and these vegetable oils. We're both getting mm-hmm. a lot of vegetable oils. Look at treats. Look at your average dog food 
out there. Um, it, 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 they all contain these vegetable oils. Yep, so exactly. It doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. Right, not at all. One quote that I thought was powerful, this is from a vet. Her name is Dr. Barbara Royal. She said, the pet food industry is telling us what to feed our pets based on what they want to sell us more than what's good for the dog. Um, so just really sad that that's kind of the, the state of, of where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. th- that sounds like probably a lot of bad news to mm-hmm. everyone, but we're going to get into the good. Here. Yeah. So what are dogs supposed to eat? So if you look at a lot of scientific studies that have been done, it shows that dogs and gray wolves share a very significant amount of their DNA, up to 99%. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about this before. The, that 1% that they don't share is just the the looks yeah. of them, I guess. The appearance, yeah. The appearance, yeah. yeah. Um, so th- this high degree of, of simu- similarity is due to the fact that dogs were domesticated from wolves. Mm-hmm. So they're essentially just a product of selective breeding from wild wolf populations over, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay, we have gray wolves. What 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 mm-hmm. diet do gray wolves have? And should dogs be consuming a similar diet? The answer is yes, they should yeah. be consum- consuming a similar diet. And that diet should be high in protein, very, very high in protein, mm-hmm. not 3% <laughs> beef, mm-hmm. but maybe 97% beef mm-hmm. and, and other um, high quality protein. So uh, muscle meat, organ meats, and then even sometimes bones, you know, Mm. think about it. If a wolf is out in the wild and kills a deer, they're going to eat that entire animal. Mm -hmm. They're going to eat the muscle meat. They're going to eat the organs where a lot of the nutrients are, and they're even going to eat the bones. So our dogs should be consuming these same things, protein-rich diets. This supports their muscle development, their energy needs, and ultimately they're getting all the macro and micronutrients that they need from consuming all of those things. It should be relatively low in carbohydrates. The only carbohydrates that wild gray wolves would be eating are things like maybe sometimes berries or leafy greens that are, you know, not poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no corn, no soy, mm-hmm. no wheat, no, no not, not, not even rice or anything like that. Like there's, <laughs> there's no need, what, they don't need to be consuming that yeah. at all. Um, and... That's, it's really as simple as that. Mm-hmm. A lot of meat and a little bit of carbohydrates, maybe some fruit and vegetables here and there. Yeah. A lot of what's in the current dog food is what one doctor referred to as biologically unnecessary. <laughs> like it's just stuffer that, that's in there to make it seem better. The cheapest things you can stuff mm-hmm. in there basically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's lacking in the areas that they need that high protein. And, and that's really what the current picture of, of kibble is. Yeah. Okay, so we, we've talked a lot about the different types of dog food that exist, but with everything, there's bad, better, best. Not, not everything is perfect. Not everything is horrible. And so we're going to break it down now into our, our famous bad, better, best. Of course. Of course. So the bad is going to be, be basically what we've been talking about this entire podcast episode, mm-hmm. which is the kibble. Mm-hmm. It's the highly, highly processed, dried, or not dried, kibble that you mm-hmm. see in, in, in basically any store. Um, so most kibble goes through an extrusion process where the company will take these ingredients, like we've been talking about, corn, lentils, rice, barley, or wheat flour, and it's heated to extremely high temperatures and high pressure, which essentially destroys a lot of the nutrients that are even there to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they shape it and they cut it so it all looks the same, looks nice and pretty, and then it's dried and cooled. 
And then at the end of this drying and cooling process, it's normally sprayed with flavorings, artificial flavorings, maybe beef flavor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the, so the dog actually eats it. And then synthetic vitamins. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the end, similar to if you look at, um, you know, white bread for humans, it'll say enriched wheat flour. Mm-hmm. All of the vitamins and minerals are taken out in that processing. And at the end, they'll add in the synthetic vitamins. Mm-hmm. Same thing with dog food. If you look at the end of the ingredient list, it's all just synthetic vitamins. Not that this is bad, but it's much better to get your vitamins from unprocessed real whole food. So that's what they're doing at the end of this drying and cooling process. They're spraying mm-hmm. it with flavorings and synthetic vitamins. And most of the time, this type of food will contain vegetable oils, like we mm-hmm. talked about, um, ingredients that uh, have no business belonging in dog food. Yep. So that's the, the bad category. That is something that you, I read that you, you should avoid if you can, understanding that a lot of the the dog food that we're about to talk about can be expensive. So even just limiting that kibble dog food that you're, you're giving to your dogs can be beneficial. Understanding it can be expensive. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally understand that. Yeah. So we'll get into the better category here, which is mm-hmm. going to be something like air-dried or freeze-dried. So these foods, it should say it on the front of the package. And- Unlike kibble, this doesn't go through a uh, heating process, and uh, a lot of the nutrients are actually preserved. They're not they're not destroyed. So this is going to be much much better. Now again, make sure you look at the ingredients. Ideally, um, I think these. I think if it is air dried and freeze dried, these companies are already kind of making a step in the right direction. So most of the time, they are using more real ingredients. But ideally, I'd like to see you know meat, some sort of meat organs, maybe some crushed up bones in there, and then maybe some fruits and vegetables. Okay. What we're looking for. We don't, we don't really need the grains. Yeah. We, we, the grains. The dogs the corn, don't need them. Soy. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Don't need them. Just like humans. We don't need them. They don't need them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's going to be the better category. And this is kind of in the, in the middle of, in terms of afford, affordability. Mm-hmm. It's probably more expensive than kibble, yeah. obviously. Um, but it's going to be cheaper than the best category, which is going to be raw mm-hmm. or maybe gently cooked food. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be things like raw meat, raw organs, mm-hmm. crushed up, raw crushed up bones, and then raw fruits and vegetables. And there are companies that kind of package this into, you know, packages so you can yeah. just dump it out. You know, you're not buying all these things separately yeah. and making your dog a meal. They, a lot of these come prepackaged now. Yeah, that's uh, a so good it's point. more convenient. And we'll leave, I'll leave uh, a list of all of my favorite brands in the description, both the air dry, air and f- air dried and freeze dried brands, and then also the raw or gently cooked brands. And when I say yeah. gently cooked, I just mean something like Farmer's Dog, which is probably what a lot of people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. That's gently cooked. Um, you know, they have chicken and turkey and beef. This isn't sponsored by them. Um, <laughs> uh, recipes. And you know the 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 chicken and the vegetables and fruit that go into that you, you know they're gently cooked to destroy any bacteria or pathogens that may be in there. Yeah, when you mentioned the, the raw food, uh, not necessarily a complaint, but something I hear a lot from vets is that oh well, uh, well we're worried about the bacteria mm-hmm. that could exist in raw food. Should we be worried about that? Uh, for the most part, no, no. you should not be. So the the the. The pH of a dog's stomach is extremely, extremely acidic. It's a pH of one to two. And this is going to basically instantly kill any bad bacteria that may be there. Think about it. You know, dogs dogs eat random stuff. Oh, yeah. And most of the time, they're fine. Mm-hmm. 
It's because that <laughs> pH is so extremely acidic. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's some Mexican process. <laughs> yeah. um, whatever's outside, our dogs are always chewing on it. Yeah. A stick or something. Finley, shout out Finley. <laughs> he just eats sticks. Your other dog. Other dog, yeah. Um, he just eats them. Yeah. So, yes, their, their stomachs are, are built to take a, a lot of different things. Yeah, and I know one of the most common types of bacteria that people are concerned about is salmonella, mm-hmm. which salmonella actually needs a pH of 4 to 10 to survive huh. and then thrive. So, Nowhere near the pH of a dog's stomach. So you, sh- you should be good there. Yep. Yeah. So we mentioned two table scraps have been vilified uh, by, by a lot of the dog food companies so that they mm-hmm. can use your dog food. But there are a few table scraps or, or really food that we as humans consume that dogs should not. Yes. What, what are those? Oh, <laughs> those, <laughs> so there, those are going to be things like um, onions, mm-hmm. garlic. Grapes, grapes. Avoid the grapes. Raisins, raisins. Yeah, which comes which come mm-hmm. from grapes. <laughs> uh, macadamia nuts mm-hmm. and chocolate. Mm-hmm. I think those are the main the main ones there. Okay, I remember we we were kids, and I think we had we had a dog when we were growing up. Her name was Addie, yeah. and there was uh, a thing of brownies on the counter. <laughs> yeah, and I, I forgot, we must have been at school maybe or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, and Addie got the whole thing yeah. of brownies. Yeah, <laughs> and she had to go. She get rushed to the vet. She was very. That was. Right when we got her, right? Yeah, she, she was, was really puppy. little. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was okay yeah. from that. But uh, yeah, she got a whole thing of brownies. Yeah. Not good. They, I think they made her like they made her just throw it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it out. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so don't don't give your dogs everything. Yeah. And if you have any doubt, just Google it real quick. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah. And there are some good. So I know there's a lot of people out there that, that are going to say, you know, I Kyle, I can't afford the air dried or the freeze dried or the raw or gently cooked food. So one step in the right direction is one, going to find kibble that contains more of the real ingredients, mm-hmm. maybe contains more beef, less vegetable oils, things like that. But then also you can add real food to your dog's kibble. Mm-hmm. So even things like uh, like real blueberries um, are great for dogs, high, really high in antioxidants. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some... There's some dry, there's different, there's so many different supplements out there, but there's like some dried um, beef organ supplements mm-hmm. that you can kind of just sprinkle onto your food. If you can't afford the best food, like I just said, and you're still feeding them kibble, maybe just buy this supplement to just sprinkle it on their food. Um, I know at Sprouts now there's <laughs> raw kefir, which uh-huh. we've talked about previously, mm-hmm. which is specifically meant for dogs and cats uh-huh. as a meal topper because kefir is so... Uh, nutrient dense, good source of protein and fat, but also it contains a lot contains a lot of good bacteria for your dog's gut. So that could be also something you kind of just pour a little bit on top. Um, but yeah, there's many other uh, supplements that you can kind of just add to your dog's food to make it more nutritious and more ancestral appropriate. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I think that's the takeaway there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to be it yeah. for this episode. As I said, I will leave all of my favorite brands in the description and links to all of them. Um, but that's going to be it for episode 21 of the Clean Kitchen Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you found this helpful, please share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this information with a dog-loving friend. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to leave a review. Subscribe on YouTube if you're not already subscribed. And we'll see you next week in episode 22.